From the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's Extension Farm and Ranch Management team, this is Nebraska Farmcast. I'm Ryan Evans. After Cooperative Grocery has been successfully organized and opened, the next step is ensuring smooth operations. Boards of directors at cooperatives can often find themselves struggling to identify the basic questions they need to answer to help the co-op be successful, especially if they have limited business experience. The Nebraska Cooperative Development Center here at UNL offers trainings for cooperative boards, which include addressing questions about how different co-ops should be managed, what policies are necessary to direct cooperatives, and more. So to talk more about those first two points, I'm here with Cindy Holden, a cooperative development specialist with the Nebraska Cooperative Development Center. And thanks for taking time with me here, Cindy. Happy to be here, Ryan. So let's just quickly set the stage and review how most cooperatives are structured. Where is the board of directors in the hierarchy? Board of directors is the managing body of any incorporated business, including a cooperative. They are created immediately after the cooperative incorporates in the state of Nebraska. So usually what happens is you have a meeting where the steering team approves the articles of incorporation, and then they immediately form their board. Um, Those board members can be members of that steering team or other volunteers from the community. Um, So they'll elect a president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, and then members at large immediately to begin governance of the cooperative. So when that happens, the cooperative starts up, a board is looking at themselves and as you and NCDC recommend, they should first ask the question of how the cooperative should be managed. So what questions does this then lead to in terms of management? We ask them to look at a continuum um, with five different ways that a board can engage A board can be very passive, which basically means they show up for monthly meetings, they're available if the manager needs them, very limited activity. Or they can be operating, as in this board actually runs the cooperative. Um, They may or may not have a manager, but if they have a manager, the manager basically does what they're told. They're basically simply an employee. And anywhere in the middle of that continuum is acceptable, and, and we find that boards will begin at one spot in the continuum and then may move through different state parts of the continuum. So the first question we ask is, what is your board's actual level of engagement? Where are we today? A forming board or the first board of directors usually is in the middle of the continuum, which we call engage, where they're partnering with staff and management, working together, uh, intervening, which means they are frequent meetings, very involved, in decisions, or they're actually operating the cooperative if they haven't hired a manager yet. So we we identify where are you today, and then where do you think you should be? Where would you like your board to land in this continuum? Do you want to remain engaged or intervening or operating? Do you want to be passive? Or do you want to become what we call a certifying board, which you meet independently with the manager, you evaluate the manager, you stay informed with performance, you set up some succession processes, but you're more telling the management, yes, the man, or telling the membership, excuse me, yes, the manager is doing what's expected of them. And so we kind of pick, hey, where are you? Where do you want to be? And then we always ask them, so if you have a manager hired, 
where do you think the manager would like you to be? Or if you're hiring a manager, where would you like to be when that manager comes on? And, and these three questions generate a lot of great conversation. Um, I did this process with a board about a month ago, and it was really interesting because when we went through the continuum, they go, oh, we want to be passive. You know, we don't want to be in the day-to-day. That's why we're hiring a manager. And as the conversation continued and we talked about where they were and then brought the manager into the conversation, we realized it's almost situational that the manager would like them to be engaged because they want to know that every decision they make is approved and supported by the board. And they felt that that level of board engagement would help them be better in their job. So it's, it's really a conversation that we have. And I can see where that continuum would be useful when you go through different stages as a business. And, and we've been talking a lot about when co-ops first start here, but I imagine that uh, looking at this and, and uh, you know, every year or two, even for established co-ops and, and figuring out where you want to be doing some strategic planning uh, can, can be useful for even businesses that have been around for a long time, right? Exactly. Um, we had one board. Um, they were very, very much certifying. You know, they're just there operating. Manager had a health issue and left unexpectedly. And they immediately became an intervening board. Um, they were in a crisis, no manager, intense meetings. What do we do now? How do we move forward? And, and it was helping them understand that how they act at each stage is very important that they have the responsibility to care for this cooperative. Um, we talk about it, their fiduciary responsibility. They have the duty of care, duty of loyalty, and duty of obedience. They exist to take care of this business and how they engage as a board really makes a difference here. Great. And beyond looking at how the co-op should be managed, uh, you have an article up on our farm.unl.edu site as well as the ncdc.unl.edu site that uh, writes, you write about the importance of the board looking at the policies needed to direct the business. So what are some tips for this stage that you have? Policies are fun. And I always, every time I meet with an initial board, we always try to create a policy and for some reason, I always like to start with dress code just because I think it's an easy one for us to outline. But it's very easy and any, very important in every business. Um, they've already created one policy. It's called their bylaws, the governance document of their organization. Um, if they've hired a manager, they've created some employment policies. And so we look at, you have a need that exists for this policy. So like I said, we always start with dress code because the need, we have to wear clothes when we go to work. It's kind of a requirement. Seems simple, but um, <laughs> unclothed workers are not acceptable in most businesses. So we need our employees to be dressed appropriately. So we advise the members to do some research. How do other, how do other businesses in our sector, how do their employees dress? Do they wear jeans? Do they wear t-shirts? Do they wear suits? You know, what's appropriate? Um, what's appropriate for my daughter as a lifeguard is very different than what you and I were to work. Um, so we do some research and what should we have and how should we enforce it? Um, you know, if we want them to wear jeans and a specific shirt, are we going to provide that shirt for them? Um, are we going to give them some latitude so on hot days they could wear shorts, if they could wear shorts, what type of shorts? And so we start, you know, going through all the questions and talking about how to, 
how to create this policy and how it should look because we're starting to establish the culture in our business is the best way I've heard it put. Once we've kind of gone through all that, asked the questions, played devil's advocate a little bit, we adopt the policy and then we implement it. It can be in a handbook, it can be in a poster on a wall, but we inform everyone this is our dress code. And as we go forward, we evaluate it and adjust it. You know, just because we picked pink shirts this year doesn't mean we can't have purple shirts next year. It's that ongoing developing process or maybe our dress code. We thought that, you know, dress down days are now important or maybe we should wear our school colors once in a while and we adjust it and we go forward and we keep moving forward with things. Um, this, like I said, this is the governance of our, of our business. It's how we present ourselves and, you know, for those of us who are a little stricter or our parents, they're the rules. Mm-hmm. It's how we set standards for how our business operates. And it's very important for a board to set these policies because it's very hard to manage something when you don't have clear standards or clear expectations set up for your board members, your members, as well as your employees. Yeah, as you were Discussing that, I was thinking that I'm sure that you run into boards or, or organizations that have a number of just kind of unwritten policies where maybe there are some expectations in place that are not, uh, you know, written down in a handbook like you mentioned or something like that. So uh, if again, if you're at a long time operating business that just kind of has their they're setting their ways of doing things and they assume that these policies that are unwritten uh, are, are binding what, what's your message to a business like that? Those unwritten policies are awesome. However, they're a little hard to enforce. And so you can write it down and it can be as simple as you have to wear shoes to work. I mean, we all understand you have to wear shoes or as simple as five minutes after clock in time is late. You know, you don't need a multi-page handbook like we kind of have at UNL. Um, the most recent employee handbook I've seen from one of our co-ops, I think it's three pages long. Completely acceptable. But this is what we expect. And when you put it in writing, it's easier to share. Everybody gets the same piece of information. And it's easier to critique something in, that's in writing, too. So if I gave you a policy and you read it, and you're like, Cindy, this doesn't make sense. We can look at the words and evaluate it where if it's just my opinion or how I say something, it's a little harder for us to have that discussion and that process. As we've mentioned a couple of times, the Nebraska Cooperative Development Center does offer periodic board trainings for cooperatives. So how does that work and how can someone find out how to take advantage of of those services from you? Right now we're offering it on demand. Um, With COVID, we found it's much easier just to, hey, if you need it, get a hold of us. We'll set a time and we'll come visit you. Uh, that way we can tailor our training more to what your co-op or your community needs rather than just do a boilerplate. This is what you should do. Uh, they can set it up by just giving me a call at 308-293-6417 or sending me an email at cholden2 at unl.edu. Great. Well, Cindy, thank you very much. Again, this has been Cindy Holden, a cooperative development specialist 
with the Nebraska Cooperative Development Center here at UNL. And you can find more about their work as well as a new article that she's written on uh, these topics we've been discussing here in the podcast on their website at ncdc.unl.edu. Thanks again, Cindy. Thanks, Ryan.